wants us to have a deep root in him so we can bear fruit for him. And if your life isn't producing fruit for the Lord, you've got to ask yourself the question if the root is connected to him. What kind of soil do you have in your heart? This is Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. David often says, the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. Does your heart worry often? Are you easily distracted? Today, David continues in his teaching on the tending the soil of our hearts in part two of The Parable of the Soils. Like the blistering sun Palestinian days would choke off a seed that went shallow after a few days, so similarly, people who just received Jesus with an emotional experience cannot last long-term living for Him. Now, please don't misunderstand. We need emotions in our faith. I mean, I love Marilyn with all my heart and I need emotions in my love for her and they're there. The same is true in your faith in the Lord. But if your faith is solely dependent upon emotions, it will eventually dry up when especially one thing happens. When you're persecuted because of your belief in the word of God when you are persecuted because you believe the gospel is true. I can't speak for you, but I have placed myself under the authority of the scripture and I do not allow the shifting sands of this culture to define who I am and what's important in my life. It forever changes, but the word of God lasts forever. It is immutable in every way. And you can tell the vitality of the gospel and the word of God in your heart if when you're persecuted because of this book and because you believe the gospel is true, whether you still stand or not. Now, Marilyn and I and others just returned from the Mideast, and we heard horrific stories of Iraqi and Syrian Christians who are persecuted largely because of their faith. In Iraq, for example... ISIS demands one of three things with Iraqi Christians when they've captured their territory. Either pay a huge tax and you can remain, or you can convert to Islam, or you can flee. They chose to flee. They left everything because they will not give up their faith in the Lord. That's not the shallow soil. So be careful if your faith is mere emotion. At some point when it's challenged, In the scorching sun of tribulation, mostly caused because of your deep faith in the Lord, it won't last. The third soil is what I call the busy heart. Um, That's the heart that just is consumed with the seed of the gospel and the word going deeper and deeper. But eventually, over time, two things choke out the seed of the gospel and the word. What are they? Well, first of all, the cares of this world... Put another way, worry, fear. You need to understand that worry and fear are antithetical to faith. They can't live in the same house. They war with one another. Faith drives worry and fear away. But the cares of this world, being so concerned that everything's not going to be taken care of and overseen by the God in whom you trust, Eventually, that chokes the seed 
of the word of God and the gospel of grace. It's also the careful heart that's so busy trying to do, 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 it never has time to develop the inner heart of grace. It's your calendars filled with so much activity that you don't have any time for the gospel and the word of God. But not only is, are there the cares of this world, Jesus said there is the deceitfulness of riches. Let me give you a synonym for deceitful. Lie. The lie that some of you've bought, that money will meet the deepest longings of your heart. You work furiously all day long thinking if I just had a little more, then I'd be happy. And that's a lie because the truth is you'll never have enough to be satisfied if money is your God. So the deceitfulness of riches reaches down and chokes the seed of the gospel and the word of God and it just doesn't last. And here's the fourth soil though. The fourth heart's what I call an open heart. Now you need to know that for any word of God or the truth of the gospel to go down into a heart, that heart must first be fallowed. Put another way, it must be broken. Clayton's message last week Some of you think that horrible thing that happened to you is the worst thing that happened to you, but if you'll allow God to use it, it could be the best thing that ever happened to you. Again, that's what Jesus meant. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Oh, how happy are those who've reached the end of their earthly rope. Oh, how happy are those who know that when Jesus is all they have, they understand Jesus is all they need. Oh, how happy are those who've gone through trials and tribulations and that has opened their hearts, broken it up so that the seed of the gospel and the word of God can go deeply within. I wish there was a different way. But I really don't. Because brokenness is the pathway to fruitfulness for the Lord. And these people receive the word of the gospel and the word of God, and it goes deeply within, and it bears strong roots in him. And that eventually, these roots produce fruit 30, 60, and 100-fold. Different people producing at different levels because all of us are gifted differently. And God only expects us to lose, use our gifts for his glory. But when we do, we bear fruit 30, 60, even a hundredfold. Remember I shared with you that the purpose of a parable, a story, is to find an earthly story that has an eternal truth, and if you don't use it, you lose it? Well, here's the eternal truth of the parable of the sower and the soils. Jesus wants us to have a good root in him so we can bear fruit for him. He wants us to have a deep root in him so we can bear fruit for him. And if your life isn't producing fruit for the Lord, you've got to ask yourself the question if the root is connected to him. That's what he meant in John 15 when he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. And anyone who abides in me, they can produce great fruit. But apart from me, they can do nothing. Is your life rooted in Christ? 
the proof of the root is the fruit. The proof of the root is the fruit. Say it with me. The proof of the root is? It's the fruit. Now, which begs this question. Are the first three soils, the first three hearts saved? I don't think so. How can your life be rooted in Christ and bear no fruit at all? If I planted an apple tree in my backyard and there's proper sunlight, nutrients in the soil, etc., what should my apple tree eventually produce? What? I'm so glad you said apples and not pears or pineapples. That would have really been embarrassing, wouldn't it have been? Of course, apples. An apple tree has to produce apples. Now, let me ask you this question. Do I stand in front of that apple tree every day going, you'd better produce apples. You'd better work harder to produce those apples. You'd better obey to produce those apples. Do I do that? Of course not. An apple tree rightly rooted in right nutrients with right sunshine will eventually produce apples. It has to. Similarly, a life that is rooted in Christ does not produce fruit by legalism, by preacher types or others standing before you and saying, you need to produce more fruit. You need to do better. You need to work harder. That's what Jesus meant when he said, apart from me, connected, you can do nothing. A life in Christ naturally produces Christ-like fruit. This this whole idea of two is important to me because there aren't thousands of world's religions. Really, there are two. Remember the mountain illustration? You either have a relationship with God by your works or by his grace. Said another way, you have a relationship with God either by what you do or what's been done for you. It's works or grace, do or done. All the other world's religions are all about what we've got to do. The only one juxtaposed against them that says you can't do enough because you're sinful is the Christian faith which says it's only by grace. Two world's religions. Jesus said there are two paths in this life. There's a wide road and a lot of people are on it, Matthew 7. A lot of people are on it. They want to live how they want to live with no interference whatsoever. That's our culture. Everybody's doing what's right in their own eyes. It is a wide road as opposed to a narrow road. And Jesus said, not many are on it. On the wide road, Jesus said there's a door, and that door leads to destruction. On the narrow road, Jesus said there's a narrow door, and he's that door. And it leads to eternal life. Two soils, two religions, two roads, two doors. Which heart is yours? Come on, be honest. Which soil is yours? The hard heart? where the gospel and the word of God just bounces off, you want to live life your way. The shallow heart is just a faith based on emotions that comes and goes. A faith that really isn't operative because of the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. Show me your checkbook and your calendar, and in five minutes, I can tell you 
where your faith is. Show me your checkbook and your calendar. What consumes your life? And I'll show you your heart for the Lord. Or is it the fourth soil, the fourth heart, which is where Jesus wants all of his people to be? A heart that's been broken apart because you know you're an utter sinner. (laughs) You've repented because you know you've got to pull up those weeds surrounding you that are keeping the word of the gospel and the word of God from growing deeply within. Repentance looks at all of those things in our lives that keep us from being intimate with Jesus and we pull them out. We repent. We get rid of them. We don't want them there. And then the word of the gospel, how much we are loved by God in Christ. Our identity is found in him and him alone. He calls us his children. He says he loves us forever. He says he'll never forsake us or desert us. And we believe that about ourselves, not the lies of this culture, which says how my body looks is who I am. Or how much money I have defines who I am. Our identity is not found in what we own, but who owns us. And then that fourth soil bears great fruit for God. What what, what kind of fruit? So glad you ask. First of all, there's a deep love for God's word in the gospel. You love it. It's your lifeline. It keeps life meaningful. I place myself under the word of God. It's my authority in life. I don't sit over it and try to interpret it so I can be comfortable. I'm with a guy this week who's rather liberal in his Christian faith, and he said, oh, David, you just take the Bible literally, which really is a statement to try to intimidate me not to believe the Bible is true. So I answered, what do you mean by that? He said, well, you just want to believe every single word of the Bible is true. And I asked, what's wrong with that? He said, well, there are many different interpretations of different texts. And here's how you need to respond. Listen, dear friend. Every text has a context. Understand it. And then that context needs to be understood in light of the whole biblical narrative, Genesis through Revelation. And if you understand text and context in the context of the full Bible, there is a clear meaning that comes in the Bible. It is undeniable. It is the desert island phenomenon that if I'm on a desert island and all I have is the Bible, I can read it and eventually the Holy Spirit through text, context, and the full revelation will show me the perspicuity of the Bible. Are you impressed I know that word? It means the clarity of the scripture, something that biblicists have believed since day one. You don't need to be intimidated by it. And you can rest in the authority of the word of God that guides your life. And when you love the gospel of grace and the word of God, it proves you're the fourth soil. And fruit will start coming out of you. What is that fruit? Worry goes away. Fear capitulates to faith. You you suddenly want to give your money away and spend more time for his kingdom and his glory. You bear the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Notice fruit is singular because all of these are supposed to be ours in Christ. What are they? Love. You love more. You have joy. 
Marilyn, remember in that Iraqi village that we visited and those women who had left their homes and families in from uh, Iraq and, and fled into Lebanon, they were so joyful because joy was an inner reality for them. Joy is different than happiness. Happiness is circumstantial. It needs circumstances to be perfect in order to feel well. But joy is an inward reality rooted in a relationship with Christ that doesn't depend upon circumstances. There's peace. And peace isn't the absence of conflict biblically. Peace is the presence of Jesus inside of us that allows us to face any difficult situation. Patience. The word is makrothumii in the Greek. It means even-temperedness. I looked up the word self-control in the dictionary this week. Guess what it means? (laughs) Self-control. That the Holy Spirit who lives within you helps you choose the good and not the bad. Gives you the ability to control alcohol consumption. Gives you the ability to choose against a drug culture that's destructive. It gives you the ability to choose life instead of death. It gives you the ability to love instead of hate. These are the fruit of the Holy Spirit. They're character fruit that people ought to be able to see in you if the gospel of grace and the word of God has deeply enriched your soul. And then also, finally, there's restoration fruit, reproduction fruit. It is your life being lived out in other people. Dear friends, fruit is reproduced not by what you do, but by who you are. So dads, moms, your kids ought to be reproducing your life in Christ. You who are bosses, you who are underlings, ought to be reproducing Christ in you as they see him. And as we reproduce ourselves in the lives of other people, especially as we share the gospel and people come to faith in Him by our words, the kingdom of God is advanced. You're listening to Moments of Hope with David Chadwick. Coming up, David joins me in the studio to discuss his latest Davidism, where we talk about the difference between needs and greeds. We'll be right back. What does the Bible tell us about the end times? The Bible is a book about soteriology, your salvation, redemption, and eternal life. David Chadwick has made an informative video called The End Time Prophecies. From Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation, God's Word is revealing facts about the times we live in, as well as the second coming of Jesus Christ. We would love to give this video to you as a resource to equip you to help you understand the history and prophecies of the Second Coming found in the Old Testament. In this video, David covers the validity of Scripture, Jesus' first coming, and how we can have faith in His second coming. This video is a compelling account of the foundation of the Christian faith. To receive your free copy of this video, go to momentsofhopechurch.org backslash listener. Again, go to momentsofhopechurch.org backslash listener for your free copy of this informative, educational video from David Chadwick. End Time Prophecies from David Chadwick. Get yours for free today. Today. 
Thanks for listening to Moments of Hope. I'm Jen Houston, and with me today is our pastor, David Chadwick. David, thank you so much for joining us. It's great being with you, Jen. Well, we've been talking lately about some wise sayings that you've collected over the years that you like to call Davidisms. And today's is know the difference between needs and greeds. Can you unpack this for us? I can indeed, because I think it helps our prayer lives a great deal. Hmm. We can always pray to the Father knowing He has promised to meet our every need, but when that crosses over into our greeds, I'm not sure the Father is as ready to answer that prayer. Hmm. So let's look at that in the next minutes together. The Lord is our provider. That's what the Scripture clearly teaches. He meets our every need need. And here's the verse, Philippians 4.19, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Notice again, he'll meet every single one of your needs according to Jesus' bank account, Hmm. that he's the one who writes and signs the checks and his bank account is limitless. And if God promises to meet our every need, then we can trust his promise to be true. Our hearts should be at rest with this gracious promise from the Lord. What's important, though, is knowing, again, the difference between our needs and our greeds. Now, needs are life's necessities. Food, water, shelter, hope, love, mercy, kindness. We can't live life without those particular qualities and others. But greeds, on the other hand, are excesses. They are our wanton lusts, most of which are foolish and harmful, many of which lead us down a path of destruction. Mm -hmm. Because in our effort to find contentment in this world, instead of finding that need met in our creator of the world, we look at all the wrong places to satisfy a yearning that nothing in the world can ever fulfill. Mm -hmm. True contentment is found only in godliness, and that's great gain. That's what Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, 6. By living a good and holy life, that's where contentment is found. One which reflects a deep reverence for God, that's where contentment is found. And the source for all true contentment is God himself, not in anything of this world, especially the greeds which cause our wanton lust Hmm. to get out of control. Hmm. So trust God with your every need. You can. I love this verse from Psalm 37, 25. The faithful are not seen begging for for bread. You just don't see a faithful lover of God ever begging for bread. They trust God to meet their every need and amazingly, surprisingly, in God's providential care, he does. Just make sure, listeners, you know the difference between your needs and your greeds, it will profoundly affect your prayer life. This has been so good. And one thing that comes to mind as defining a greed is those are dispensable things. They are. I just think about my children who want the latest and greatest whatever, fill in the blank. And, you know, if they get that, it's just a couple weeks later, it's dispensable. They're on to the next. Yeah, and so many of us who have had kids, you know, mine are all grown. Yours are still younger. But on Christmas morning, you give them all these wonderful gifts. They play with them for a couple of hours and even then discard Mm -hmm. them to move on to the next whatever. And those are greeds. They're things we don't need in order to live. But God promised to meet our every need in Christ Jesus. He did not promise to meet our greeds, but he did promise to meet our needs. And what we need to live on today, folks, we can depend upon the Lord to give us 
every single need. That's so good. Thank you so much for this insight today, David. Yeah, my pleasure, Jen. And if anyone would like to receive a written moment of hope, these Davidisms every morning, go to momentsofhopechurch.org. Subscribe there. They will arrive in your inbox at 7 a.m. It's my gift to you, free of charge, to begin your day with a moment of hope. This has been Moments of Hope with David Chadwick, Senior Pastor of Moments of Hope Church. Today's message is from our online worship service, and you can be a part of our service each Sunday morning at both 9 and 11 o'clock by going to momentsofhopechurch.org. And while you're online, be sure to check out David's weekly Hopecast. It's free and available through our website. Also, be sure to check out David's End Times Prophecy video. It's free for our listeners. Just go to momentsofhopechurch.org backslash listener. For David and the entire Moments of Hope Church staff, this is Jen Houston asking that you pray for the students in our city. 